Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 181. <laughs> Are you sure? Um, uh, uh, isn't it? Well, no, it it's, might be. Just it's, it's, you, sounded, you sounded unconvinced. It's Apocalypse Now. Oh, nice. Have you been holding on to that one for a while, Brett? No, it's just something I came across over the ah. week. So I was actually going to say, are we having fun yet? My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewer. It's a huge show. Huge show. We are going to talk about the new show from the Stars Network in the US. Does Stars have a Z on the end? I think it it, 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 it feels like it would, doesn't I think, it? I think, is I think that a might. network that's, uh, that, that is exclusively made up of actors that were brats with a Z? <laughs> it's where brats go to. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is. Brats plus one. I, th- I think it is. Uh, I'm trying to find out now. Uh, we've also got an interview that I did while I was in the US with Leo Laporte, who used to be on air in Australia on the How To Network. You might have seen him on Screensavers and uh, Call for Help, or if you're a podcast fanatic. What, what Brett? What? So, so was he? Was he the one that uh, that had that that super rare uh, cylindrical recording device that was made out of wax that? Dropped it onto the floor and it just smashed to pieces. Uh, no, was, was Tom, that Tom, there? Thomas Edison, I think. Is that no, 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 no. It was it was somebody on the the G four here to help. Was, was he the one? Call, call for help. Call for help. Was he the one who put the sand in the funnel, supported by strings? Atmospheric no, pressure did the work. That's 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 Julius Sumner Miller. Oh, oh haven't okay. you seen that clip though? No, where where he's holding like this this cylindrical recording device and saying and talking about it being really rare and about to go into a, a little kind of segment about about it and it slips out of his fingers, hits the ground and just is destroyed. No, I, I and have then not. everybody like this is really awkward. So silence. genuinely, not not this is not as a comedy thing, but no, they, no, they no. genuinely destroyed something. Yes. to Google, I say to yes. Google. Yes, we'll be, we'll be checking that out, and, and I'm I'm sure you'll be able to tell us in pork whether or not. Uh, I, I'm definitely you're interviewing news, a man who destroys news important. just at hand though <laughs> news just as ha- just at hand mm-hmm. stars is spelt with a Z <laughs> oh excellent I was hoping it would be not at the start like Zars <laughs> at the end like stars uh, we uh, we also have uh, a little discussion about ten years younger in ten days uh, we are going to have the answer to last week's quiz oh one of our biggest quizzes ever I know that was a tough one. Going to finish it off with pork. As always, though, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. In news that may contain violence... John Richards. Hitting people is in, in, in. (laughs) It really is. Attacking people is the new black in the world of a celebrity. I say celebrity. Kiefer Sutherland. No, that's that's, there. He's a genuine celebrity. Um, He's been officially charged with assault for uh, headbutting a clothing designer at a nightclub. Honestly, if they arrested any of us every time we uh, attacked a clothing designer at a nightclub, there'd be no one left on the streets. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember that time? 
If uh, Saint Laurent and I got into a knife fight, oh, I do you remember that? We laugh about it now. I know. Um, also, Brooke Shields is involved in this story. It gets better and better. <laughs> uh, apparently, fashion designer Jack McCullough um, bumped into Brooke Shields when she was talking to Kiefer Sutherland, so he, he went in one. He uh, demanded an apology, then headbutted McCullough. I shouldn't laugh, but it's funny because uh, it happened to someone else. The Los Angeles City's Attorney's Office is determining whether Sutherland violated the terms of his parole. What parole? What? Is I, he I, still... Is he for, for all those years ago when he was a, a drunken, you know, homeless person basher? Um, sorry, I have to say, I'm using that as an, kind of a metaphor for what he used to do. It is not what he actually used to do. Kiefer Sutherland's lawyers... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. But apparently, the, it says here, Sutherland's last jail time was set to inter- interrupt production on the seventh season. Um, oh, it did. Yes. What, what was that about, yes. though? I missed that bit. Uh, I think it was a, maybe it was a DUI or it was a something. Okay. It's, he definitely, yeah, and he had to he had to go to jail for like uh, 40 days or something. And so uh, they... Well, he wasn't attacking a cabinet maker or anything or someone who designs fonts. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he hates creative types. He does. He, um, he, he does have a thing against cartographers, though. Oh, he hates them. Oh, take those maps away. Closer to home, if you live in Australia, not obviously if you live in, say, China or something. Uh, Rex Hunt has been found it, guilty. It, actually, it depends which part of China. That is true. Well, not not if you lived in, say, New York, where you're probably closer to Kiefer Sutherland you know what? than you might have Rex Hunt. If Kiefer Sutherland hadn't beaten up all those cartographers, we'd know. <laughs> we would know. Damn you, Sutherland. <laughs> Um, Rex Hunt, remember him? Uh, this article actually starts off former television personality, which I thought was quite cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Insult to injury. He's still doing radio commentary of footy, isn't he? <laughs> AFL. I, I don't know what he's doing I, now. I, rather than thinking, thinking of him as former television personality, I, I rather think of him as former television fisherman. Yeah, professional fisherman. Mm, Cele- oh. Former celebrity fisherman, former Rex Hunt. fish kisser. <laughs> has been found guilty um, of recklessly causing injury to a cyclist. I, I don't know if it's to a cyclist as part of the, the actual charge or whether it's just recklessly causing injury. Um, the story, though, is that basically he, he uh, Hunt, driving a four-wheel drive, so we can tell what's going on here, um, basically nearly you know, ran over this guy. The guy on the, on the bike then uh, apparently hit the car with his hand in a, you know, a form of anger. So Rex got out and, and broke his finger. Um, and he won't be doing that again. No, but what I thought was fascinating is that this, is, this is Rex Hunt's defense. After 14 years in the, in the police force dealing with criminals, the only way I know how to defend myself is to use as much force as I can to stop the attack on my person. As an old man, I was looking for the next opportunity to defend myself from a fellow I believed was totally out of control. The police basically went... That's not what happened at all, is it, Rex? So, so what Rex is saying is society's to, to blame. And as an old man, it's important you go out and break people's fingers. <laughs> well, and, and the interesting thing out of this was that uh, he came out of uh, the, the, the um, courts having heard the decision on Friday, I guess, um, and said, yeah, fair enough, I, I, I accept the umpire's decision. And then in the it's pa- a, in the tabloid, it's a judge. <laughs> it's, a, it's not an umpire. That's why you didn't accept well, it. Well, you know, let that slide. But uh, then over the weekend, there was another article saying that uh, all cyclists should be licensed, and that would have stopped him breaking the finger of the one that uh, he got charged. Uh, no, with. No, how, no. how does? Yeah, um, apparently, he will face three months in prison or a fine. He's a famous person, so let's I, guess what's going to happen there. Apparently, we've spent too long on this story already, <laughs> and uh, will not fight the verdict. Will be sentenced. At a later date. Well, in uh, in other uh, t- television idiot news, Sam Newman's on air uh, 
shenanigans with a mannequin that was made up to look like Carolyn Wilson. That that one was that like four or five years ago? No, it was it was last year. Oh, so it was like okay, it yeah. was it was last. So it was like year. a year ago. It does feel yeah. like it was a while yeah. back. What, what? It was it was a while back. It was like has, a year ago. Has somebody dragged that up or something? Well, it's going to be scrutinised. Uh, sorry, the Footy Show and Sam Newman are going to be scrutinised by. Is it ACMA? Yes, it's ACMA. <laughs> oh, I love ACMA. <laughs> yes, it's ACMA. They investigated the incident. It's only taken them this long to uh, to, to find <laughs> that uh, the Nine Network breached the television industry's code of conduct oh. by airing the episode. Channel Nine breached the code of conduct, the, the and mysterious... ACMA decided this. And and what is the uh, the penalty? There oh, for, I bet it'll be to, huge. But Channel Nine, Channel Nine will be in trouble breaching the official industry code of conduct. They've asked Nine to inform it of any complaints it receives during the next six months regarding the footy show or Newman. Oh, that, that, that harsh, harsh penalty. So, hang on. After the event, which was at least a year ago, for the next six months, they need to... Oh, it's just... Yeah. 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 Also, c- considering that uh, footy season is over in, what, four months? Yeah. 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 Thanks, ACMA. Good on you, ACMA. They could probably remake that as an American TV show for NBC. Because NBC have just announced lots of new programs we may care to enjoy. Would you like to hear about some of them? Yes. G- give me the top four. It's, it's not the, um, apparently the, the, the full series line-up, line-up is announced on May the 19th. That'll be when the 2009-2010 schedule comes out. Mm. This is just the, uh, for advertisers. They've started kind of releasing some of it. Um, remember Parenthood? Steve Martin film, and, yeah, uh, Martin Short from, from 1989. Yeah, oh, so they've greenlit that now. It's, yep, it's going to, that, to that's going ahead. This is the second attempt to yes. make a, a TV series of Parenthood. The first one actually uh, was short lived um, in 1990. Uh, I thought they'd already done it with Bill Cosby. Uh, well, this new one, Cosby has, show. No, no, you're thinking of Ghost Dad. Oh, okay, the yes. new one has Peter Krause and Maura Tierney. Um, I, I actually like both of those people. I still won't watch it. Um, hey, hang on, hang on. My, Moira Tierney. Yeah, from News Radio. Oh. In my head, from News Radio. Oh, oh, she's she's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, I mean, they've, they've also they've confirmed new episodes of The Office, Thirty Rock, Biggest Loser, Celebrity Apprentice, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Friday Night Lights, uh, The Marriage Ref is going ahead, which we talked about a while back. Yes. Oh, that'll be exciting. Have they announced Chuck? Breakthrough with Tony Robbins. Um, Chuck is still undecided. Oh, as, as, as is Catherine Kim, oddly enough. I thought that would have been quite... I thought Obvious. that was gone. <laughs> yeah, so did I. But apparently it's... it's Commentators are saying that it's gone. Um, As says, uh, sit down, shut up. Yeah, uh, my name is Earl, so it's probably going. Which is a shame. Um, Which so, I also mentioned last week uh, that uh, Fox are looking to pick it up if it does get dropped. Okay. Um, some of the the new shows, apart from Parenthood, there's a Trauma and Mercy. I was just uh, laughing before when I was reading about... Um, uh, Mercy, a new medical drama with a unique point of view, portrays the lives of the staff at Mercy Hospital as seen through the eyes of those who know it best. It's nurses! Yes, it's a drama series seen by nurses. What a breakthrough. Uh, day One, which actually sounds kind of cool in a big, you know, huge science fiction things explode kind of way. And 100 Questions is a new comedy series, which I was saying, uh, the answer is this woman has to answer a 100 question compatibility test and each question leads to a wacky romp and it stars someone from the X list. So it's probably got cancelled already, written all over it. Oh, um, that, it's... And also says is Sophie Wilkerman from Peep Show. I'm, I'm, I need to look at her up because I'm not quite sure if that is the person I'm thinking of or if there's another American Peep Show that I'm unaware of. But um, 
I think we'll probably be reviewing that when it's cancelled next year. Her, her name means welcome in uh, German. Yes. Mm. yes. So oh, and, welcome. And cabaret. Um, and Gossip Girl, we mentioned there may have been a Gossip Girl spin-off, a backdoor <gasps> pilot we talked about. Apparently, yeah. Gone. Apparently gone before it's even been played. But, but even before the, the uh, backdoor pilot has been played. Yes. So no it's, one's even seen it. They've no, already decided it's not popular. It's already, it's already gone. Uh, I, I'm watching a little bit of Gossip Girl at the moment because uh, I did see a little bit of Gossip Girl filmed while I was in New York. So all I'm doing now is just watching for that scene. <laughs> oh, that's the scene that I saw filmed. Excellent. Uh, I was very upset that Josh Schwartz was not there. Uh, so uh, that had nothing for if me. If you ever lived in Vancouver, you can watch a lot of really bad late night television and shout out, look, it's the Burrard Street Bridge every 10 minutes. Oh, nice. That's always fun. What's nice. that in? It's in everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is speaking it, of uh, is it in the BBC? Oh, sorry. Go, yeah. Overseas uh, news: the BBC out of the UK uh, are looking on their new service to axe ninety jobs uh, as part of cost-cutting measures. So, on their is, news service, did you say? On their new service, their news service. Oh, is, okay. Is that going to be a, a half-hour comedy where they cut one job every week <laughs> and we, we follow all the shenanigans that come No, 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 you get to SMS people out. Oh, nice. Get rid of the news director. He's got a bad haircut. That'd be great. Uh, the majority of the positions are believed to be in news gathering and we'll... Because <laughs> who needs that on a news service? And we'll uh, save the BBC approximately £155 million. Pounds. News, uh, news gathering? Aren't they just reporters? <laughs> But also, aren't, aren't, well, they, aren't they the important I bit? producers as well and, and the, kind of researchers and... The, the people who actually find the news. Find the news, and, yeah. I, but the way they call them news, news gatherers... Well, not it, anchors. It, it, like, makes, it makes me think that they're kind of wandering through the forest <laughs> with, with a basket, just picking up Skipping, news wherever yeah. they find it. In France, they're news gleaners, they're called. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, well, they're saying that uh, big name newsreaders won't be affected by the decision. Um, they are hoping to <laughs> minimise compulsory redundancies and uh, just use the uh, the natural uh, attrition process. Is this in addition to the 100 million people they were getting rid of over three years that we announced a, a, about a year ago? They were getting rid of 100 million 100 people. million. Hundred million. A lot of um, people. Yes. Sorry, yes. sorry. It could so have now been it'll be a hundred million and ninety. And it could have been a hundred billion. I can't remember yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, the country's population is fifty-four billion. I think so. Yeah, that'd yeah. be kind of impressive. Yeah, I'm not an accountant. Um, also, no, it's quite, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> I do find it quite interesting that uh, the BBC over there are uh, making these cuts, while we here in this country are seeing uh, Channel Nine and Channel Ten extending their new services to uh, ninety hours per day. But that's, that's <laughs> but that ninety is, hours per day. I know. It is a similar thing, though, isn't it? I mean, in many ways, it's like here they're stretching the same number of people over more hours. There, they're just cutting the number of people i think it's a mathematically it, yeah as a puzzle in professor Leighton, the curious village it would be option b <laughs> um in other bbc news very quickly there's a new comedy series starring dawn french has been greenlit i don't know if the, if the bbc green light things exactly it's more an american term no, um, do they do they green light it's a universal uh, term okay they, they don't make it a cup of tea or something no i, I think they uh, they they do uh, a make go <laughs> okay, so um, Roger and Val have just got in. Is a make go? Rogering it, who? Roger and Val have just got in. Is actually the name of the show. Uh, it follows the lives of a middle-aged couple as they come through the door at the end of a working day. Uh, well, that 
That sounds interesting. And mm-hmm. sounds sounds compelling. And um, I, I, it reminds me of uh, something that I saw uh, one of those Mitchell and Webb boys in called the smoking room, which is uh, set in a smokers' lounge at a school. So you, oh. so you've got all these teachers and, and the like in there, single room for the entire show. Was it not very good. A little from what bit I've heard. tedious. Yeah. yeah. And um, in in almost unfounded rumours, uh, Neil Gaiman has been rumoured to be running a new episode of Doctor Who. Neil Gaiman, of course, uh, award winning best-selling author of uh, such books as Lord Nan- of the Rings? Nan- no, no, that's, that's Tolkien. Uh, Nancy Co- Boyce, Coraline, Coraline, The um, Da Vinci Code. No, the Da Vinci Code. No, no, no not the not Da Vinci Code. Um, uh, American Gods. Oh, American good. Gods. What a did great. Did he write the Bible? No, uh, he did write some of the Bible. Uh, he wasn't credited. And uh, of course, before that, he was a comic book writer. But now he's an award-winning novelist. Anyway, he um, Stardust. Stardust, uh, yes. Spider-Man. And, and so apparently he might be writing an episode of New Doctor Who. He was asked about it by Jonathan Ross, and he's been very enigmatic. He's oh, not, not ruling out by Wassie. Um, oh, speaking of which, uh, 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 thing oh, Manuel uh, took back his uh, acceptance of their apology, saying that obviously uh, Wassie and, and Bland uh, were just taking the piss when they uh, sent over a written apology, uh, given Wassie's uh, tirade at the BAFTAs recently. Uh, okay, I, t- I, I only understood like 20% of I, what you just said. I don't know if you're allowed to take them back, though, can you? You can't? Well, he didn't actually uh, reply, respond at all to uh, the written apologies. Yeah, but if and, he verbally and, said And has come that out he... and said that uh, he is glad that he didn't uh, because obviously it, uh, they weren't apologies sent in any sort of this, sincerity. This is all sounding very kind of, you know... F- fencing at dawn or something, isn't it? It's Andrew Sachs has accused Jonathan Wass and Wassel Bland of making hollow apologies at the heart of the Manuel Gate scandal. <laughs> Manuel Gate, uh, is that what we're calling it? Uh, <laughs> it's Jonathan Ross, but you're pretending to have his speech That's impediment. That's how he says it. Right. Okay. That's what it is, isn't it? In brief news, Seven uh, have just completed the pilot for a new daily TV series in conjunction with New Idea, because that's worked so well in the past, uh, and uh, no no idea of where that's going to uh, appear or when, but they are looking at it being daily, and this is uh, according to BNT magazine. Uh, and also Primus are going to... Do you remember TiVo? Who remembers when TiVo was released in Australia? Mm. Remember? Mm. Remember? Mm. The crippled version. Of yeah, it. yeah. It's, so Primus... Uh, that, that was then going to have an update in the tens of dollars that they were charged for that, and then it came out to be uh, 23 tens, tens of, of dollars. dollars yes, quite a yeah. few tens of dollars. That's a lot of tens of dollars. Uh, and, uh, and now Primus are going to be providing movies through TiVo mm-hmm. that will no doubt be you know, so that in mean- some way crippled. Does that mean that uh, the TiVo users that want to get the the movies uh, from the internet will need to have iPrimus as their ISP? Yes, and it will not have... Uh, oh, they won't have oh to have God. iPrimus as their ISP, but if they do have iPrimus as their ISP, then it won't be counted towards their download limits. So there are three or four people in the country very excited by this new news. Uh, but if if they're already well, finally with, because they've been <laughs> putting up with such crap for so long. Yeah, yeah. I promise. Mm. It's, I've dealt with them before, and uh, really, the the combination of I promise and TiVo together at last—that's just a world of crap that you're inviting into your house. <laughs> it really is. And that is the box cutters news. Hey, this is James Talia, and you're listening to the spot where you can find out everything good, bad, and otherwise on your box. It's the box cutters. Party Down is a show from the stars. 
with a Z network in the US. Uh, it's a it's a little half hour comedy uh, co created by uh, John N. Baum, Paul Rudd, Dan Etheridge, and Rob Thomas, who you might remember from Northern Exposure. No, no, he's the lead singer of Matchbox Twenty. Of course. He's the uh, creator of Veronica Mars. I did actually wonder about that. I actually checked that out. (laughs) I thought, is he the lead singer of Matchbox 20? Has he actually... Because this is quite good for, you know, know. Matchbox 20. Different guy. Uh, So, yeah, creator of uh, Veronica Mars and also Cupid, which we might review at some stage in the future. Did he make both Cupids? Both Cupids, yes. Uh, And uh, and so he's co-created this half-hour comedy about... Actors who work in a catering business because they're actors in well, not, LA. Not just actors. There's also a writer. Oh, there is and, also uh, a writer. And I'm trying to remember if there's any, anyone else. Are they all actors? Uh, no, there is There is one person whose life is catering. Right. Uh, that's that's his job and uh, and he enjoys it. So basically they're a catering company. They, they go to, to parties and, yeah, for one-off events and each episode takes place at a different yes. event that they are catering. And uh, and we learn the uh, the stories of their lives through catering these events. So we only see them for you know two hours at a time, uh, compressed into half an hour at a time. And uh, I I have to say, it is quite a funny and depressing show. <laughs> it is it is simultaneously funny and depressing. Uh, the uh, the lead is uh, a, a man named Adam Scott who was in a whole bunch of stuff as, uh, you know, in, in little bits of everything. He was in Tell Me You Love Me, if anyone actually persevered through that. Uh, he was in an episode of Eastbound Down recently, if you've seen that. I do want to talk about that uh, in the coming weeks of Box Cutters. He's done a whole bunch of stuff, but it's been bit parts the whole way through. Uh, you've also got a couple of actors from Veronica Mars, in it, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. You're a fan of I, I, no, I, I never watched. It. I had a couple of goes, but it's one of those shows I think you had to watch from the beginning. And I kind of, yeah, found well, it a bit, a bit, yeah, you know, like it was a glass wall, and I could see it, and I was waving, but it couldn't see me. Oh, how sad! Mm. I, I loved it. I love Veronica Mars. Ken Marino and Ryan Hansen uh, were both in Veronica Mars, so y- you might recognise them. Uh, it's it's also got a lot of. Uh, uh, kind of, it, it's almost like they got their friends together to to do this it show. Is, it's a really impressive cast. This because I actually knew nothing about this when we started watching it. And my first thing was Jane Lynch is in it, and I yes. love her. She's the yeah the very tall blonde woman from the Christopher Guest movies. Um, played the lesbian dog trainer in Best in Show. Uh, she was the one sex of sex therapist in Boston Legal. In Boston Legal, um, in forty year old virgin. Yeah, I mean, great. She's a great, great actor. She's a great comedic performer, and it just so just having her there was already quite exciting. And she's brilliant in this. She plays um, an actor who. Uh, has kept going, and yeah, you know, and, and all her stories are, uh, okay, as you say, funny and depressing. It's all things about how you know she got a, a job as as Bikini Girl Seven on uh, Cannonball Run Two, and that's that. That's the kind of the episode of Hooper that she was in, that sort of you know thing. And she's been trying to help the um the kind of blonde beefcake himbo member. She's helping him with his lines and, and learning, and and, and so they they are uh, quite realistically. Uh, as intelligent as a lot of actors that that I'm aware of, and uh, and the the thing is that so so they've got these people who 
all they care about is acting and they don't believe that they are actually but working uh, in a, well, the, the job is what they're doing job. to make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, they're, they're doing the rest of their life. And the, the lead character, um, Adam Scott's character, I've forgotten the name. Harry, I, thought I, I had think them. Henry Pollard. Henry. Henry. Henry is great because he's decided to give up acting. That's why he's here. He's come back. So the the you know the story starts with him returning. He knows the guy who runs the catering company who de- who is uh, a little sort of you know petty Hitler who wants to be running this this catering company. His dream is to open up a a, a Su- chain restaurant that sells soup, S- super crackers, super crackers. It's the uh, all you can eat soup. It's it's the it's the number one highest growing franchise sorry highest growing non-caffeine non-chicken franchise <laughs> and um and, and yeah, so this guy's given up acting and everyone the first one is lovely because everyone knows this henry's vaguely familiar and it turns out for for you know this terrible role he had and that's what people remember well, it, it, yeah because he's he's essentially ruined his career by playing a character on a series of ads and just became known as that guy. That guy. And um, and the other character I really loved is the woman who's a, who's a comedian. Who, um, again, yes, so I haven't Li- got my notes here. I don't know. Lizzie Kaplan? Lizzie Kaplan. Um, um, plays Kate, Casey. Casey Klein. Brilliant character. Brilliantly performed. I just thought she was so believable. And I loved her. And she's got a sort of Janine Garofalo-esque kind of vibe about her. And, and it's really funny because it's quite a, an old-fashioned sitcom in many, many ways. It's very English in that... Um, it's got sort of like a, I'll put this priceless Ming vase on this precarious shelf and hopefully nothing will happen to it kind of vibe. And the whole thing has this very kind of fast, like almost, yeah, 70s aving surf, kind of the way everything builds to except a crisis. That, except that it's entirely played down. And also on top of that, you have this very new kind of um, almost six feet under kind of, you know, it's it's the journey of the characters. It's the slightly depressing thing about life. It's the fact that nothing's really working out for anybody. Um, and, yeah, so laying that on top of it is quite fascinating. And, yeah, the guest stars, I think Ed Begley Jr. was in the third episode. Yes. Um, the, was it, oh, Enrico Calantoni? Who, who, who was also in Veronica Mars. He's, oh, okay. he's in the first, he's in the first episode. He was I also the, the photographer. photographer in Just Shoot Me, which is, in fact, it's Just Shoot Me. Not a program anyone's ever going to remember as one of the best comedies of all time, but a really good comedy. Like it's a solid. really, really solid. Yeah, really well made. And, and since then, I've, I've only ever thought of him as Elliot. I've, I've exactly. I've known what his real name has been. So, so it was quite exciting to go, oh, look, it's Elliot from Just Shoot Me. I haven't <laughs> seen him for ages. Even, even yeah. as Veronica Mars's father. <laughs> <laughs> and um, same with this show, that it's, it's not, you know, uh, it's not groundbreaking, but actually what it's doing is kind of interesting, but it's not, it's not I think, going to be remembered the test of time forever but I, I was really enjoying watching it and it is a fun show and the jokes it's because the jokes often you can see them coming like a long way away but you're still happy when they arrive you know it was kind of just like you could see the punchlines but when they were delivered they delivered with such grace that you kind of go no, this, this is i'm really enjoying this and when- I, I wish it wasn't doing the office-esque uh, semi-documentary handheld camera thing, which I think is really, really over. Except now. they're not doing any looking to cameras. There's no no, which which but that actually made it even more annoying to me because it's like they've they've kind of got this holdover of a comedy style that's been around for a few years without even needing it. Like I would have rather it was filmed just a bit more like a film rather than you know this style. Uh, yeah, I don't. I th- I think uh, I think it kind of adds to. I, I think in the case of party down the cheapness of it is actually part of its charm and uh the idea of doing it handheld you know it's is like it's it's done 
quick and nasty. I, I actually and wonder if, in this case, it is being done for the for the reasons of being quick. Yeah, you know, I suspect maybe the handheld thing is actually a, a budgetary, yeah, and you know, device rather and than so a, I, a dramatic one. I really forgive it that. Yeah, no, but, it wasn't. It wasn't annoying. It's just that thing too that. Um, like, if you've actually watched any, any of the classic documentaries that were filmed handheld camera, you'll realise that handheld camera is actually quite stable. And when anyone does mock documentary handheld camera, it's deliberately a lot wobblier to point out that they're doing it. And there was a little bit of this going, oh, just stop it. Just get a tripod. Yeah, they're cheap. Yeah. 20 bucks from Tandy's. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but the performances are so good. I, I found the first episode, the boss and the himbo character were both a bit too big for my liking, but they do seem to be settling down there seems to be more of a coherent acting style yeah, coming think, out as it goes on I think in the first episode it's it's a lot about these are the people we're going to follow mm-hmm. and then and then it does kind of taper out towards the end I also want to mention Martin Starr who plays Roman the writer uh, the, who's alarmingly believable and, and you know <laughs> pretentious uh, believes he's a, a lot smarter than all the other actors and uh, and yet is writing terrible, terrible te- science fiction uh, about giant pterodactyls. Yeah. And uh, and he is played by one of the geeks from Freaks and Geeks. He's uh, he was the tall, uh, the tall one with the thick glasses in <laughs> in Freaks and Geeks. And uh, and once you work that out, and you go, oh, oh, he's totally grown up now. He's found a niche and still quite geeky. It's that, fantastic. I think there's a line in the second one where they're at a uh, Republican, like a young conservatives kind of dinner, and he's going, "When I'm huge, I'm going to enjoy destroying these people." <laughs> and I, I remember, yeah, feeling quite fondly about that. <laughs> and, and I love that that whole thing that everyone, except for uh, pretty much except for Henry, has these delusions of grandeur. Oh, no, the stand-up comedian, she's, she's also aware. That's a funny thing, too, for a sitcom that is, is it's definitely sitcom-y. It's definitely quite, a, kind of quite big in its performances and its style. But then it has these moments, like there's a bit where, where Casey's on the phone to her soon-to-be ex-husband talking about how career's gone nowhere. And it's, it's just a pure bit of drama. Like, it, it's not played for any kind of comedy value. Yeah, and, but, and then, but then there'll be comedy hijinks that come off it kind of thing. You know? but, but it is, and, and in that way, it is quite depressing, but really well written. And I, I think really tight. Definitely worth a look. It's called Party Down. Uh, I found it on Channel BitTorrent. I don't know where you'll find it. Yes, I, I wanted to bring in, I was going to bring in a sound clip, and I might try and bring it for next week, because uh, it's on the stars with the Z Network, and, and as I was obviously watching it on American free-to-air television three weeks ago, um, when the when the, the uh, continuity announcer came on at the end, and um, she, I'm obsessed with her now. I love stars continuity announcer. It's, She's good, isn't she? It's like she wandered off the street or something. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll bring a clip in next week. To play. <laughs> That's party down. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from The Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to box cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett and John are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box cutters. Listen up. It's great. Speaking of the ARPANET. Speaking of the ARPANET, uh, a while ago I was in the US and I uh, was in like, lucky enough to be in Petaluma and meet up with Leah Laporte, who Isn't did... New Mexico? No, that's uh, just north of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He did a show on the How To Network on Foxtel called Call For Help. He also did one called The Screensavers. Got a huge following amongst the, uh, the, the 
tech community and uh, and then was the tech TV closed down, the network closed down, uh, was brought over by G4, which uh, then created this G4 tech TV thing in Canada. He went over to Canada to continue doing Call for Help. That folded. He started his own network called the Twit Network, uh, which was named after his first podcast, This Week in Tech. He now has his own studio that he streams live video from the entire time that he's in the studio. You can watch him recording his podcasts. You can watch him uh, editing things together. You can watch him constantly. He has five cameras. Special bellwhacker time of the day. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he does. Yep. I've missed that, though. Mm. He has five cameras set up around this little studio. He's he's essentially set up his own radio studio, but he also has uh, television switches. We, we, we've got five cameras, too. No, we don't. Yeah, for the video podcast. No, no, no. How does he not, no, how does he not see... Look, look, he's, hey, uh, yeah, there's one there. He's, oh, no, it's, it's actually there's, six. There's no video. Oh, I always forget that one. <laughs> there's no video That's podcast. That's awkward. Why did we put that there? This one right above me is always turned off. It is, that is. Yeah. We'll get that fixed. Yeah. I th- you're confusing them with lights, I think, <laughs> guys. That, those are lights. No, no, it's not it's cameras. No, no. Video podcast. Anyway, so he's got five cameras set up. Uh, he's got a switcher. He's got a, a machine called a TriCaster. He can write his own supers on. Essentially, he is creating television for the web constantly. On the fly. I was, yeah. I was lucky enough to to meet with him and speak with him and, strangely enough, record our conversation. Oh, spooky. Enjoy. I'm sitting here in the Twit Cottage with uh, our guest on Box Cutters. He's uh, a man who has basically redefined the way that technology is shown on television. Leo Laporte, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Well, you came a long way. I think you, you've come the longest for an interview of anybody I've ever given an interview <laughs> to. So thank you for uh, asking me, Josh. Well, it's uh, you know it really is our pleasure. Uh, I'm the only one of the Box Cutters who actually has cable television. Uh, the others- now, how can you do a TV review show if you don't have cable TV? Well, it's it's... An interesting thing in Australia because uh, the uh, c- cable television came along quite late, uh, some, sometime in the 90s. So most people have satellite. Uh, most people just have free-to-air. Really? They just have an antenna. They get the regular five channels, uh, watch probably because there's more to them. do in Australia. People are getting out of the house. They're enjoying the beautiful weather. They don't, they don't need the TV. Well, you know, that, that would be a nice idea, but no, I, I think it's just that people think, well, why should I pay money for something that I already get for free? It's hard when you get it for free to, to, to justify that. It took cable TV a long time to, to take hold here in the States for that very reason, and really took hold mostly with people who couldn't get very good reception at first. Well, yeah, and that's, that's exactly the way it's happened yeah, in, yeah. in Australia, and now they've got like 20% coverage. Uh, but that's all? That's all. Oh, all right. That's all. Oh, yeah, we're a cheap nation. The... Uh, so when I was on the How To Network, yeah, I wasn't getting very far. You were getting to my house, and that's, <laughs> that's uh, about it. That's, well, I, I don't know because when I was watching, uh, I mean, you, you were on the screensavers on the How To Network, and you were also on Call for Help right. when when screensavers ended, right? Tech TV and that whole malarkey there. Uh, the uh, the. I was amazed at how many callers on Call for Help you had. From Australia? from Australia. I was amazed too. I mean, the response we got, Tech TV came to Australia late, came to the How To Network 
just as we were going out of business. <laughs> so you got the screensavers for, I don't think it was more than three months. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, by the time I found it, it was uh, probably about three weeks. Well, and so uh, it's amazing. I, I can't, I think, you know, there's a, there was a lot of interest in the content. Uh, there was a thirst for that information. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe there was something about the style that appealed particularly down under. But uh, and the same thing with Call for Help. I mean, the, the, Australia has been really good to me. I'm very grateful. And I, you know, I was in Tasmania. First time I've ever been to Australia last year. I went to uh, Tasmania for uh, two weeks and loved it and only touched down in Sydney briefly. And I've got to go back. And I've got to go to Melbourne. Oh, you, you definitely have to yeah. come to Melbourne. Yeah. It's, and when you do, please come to the box cutter well, studio. You can see you can see our setup, which is entirely professionally done, <laughs> and uh, we had no hand in it whatsoever. Well, that's so nice. Someday I'll have something like that. I've gone the opposite direction. You know, this is all. This it, I think it's probably true that it's every uh, DJ's dream someday to own a radio station, right? Not have to deal with the program director. Just do your own thing. And, uh, and, uh, in a way that's kind of what I've done. I've built my own TV and radio station and thanks to the internet, I didn't have to put up a tower. I didn't have to buy a transmitter. It's cheap. It's, it's magnificent. It's, you know, a a lot of us who are, uh, in, in our, uh, mid thirties, like yourself, Leo, who uh, grew up having seen pump up the volume. Remember that film? Yeah. Great. And we all just wanted to have our own radio stations. Sure. And that's, wouldn't? How, that's how we got involved. To the, start with. the truth is, though, if you ever own a radio station, you'll be the saddest man <laughs> on the planet. You know, it's very hard to make money. 70% of the stations in the United States lose money. 70%. I mean, it's a terrible business, and it's getting worse all the time because of the internet. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, a great thing about the internet is you don't need a license to broadcast. No. Uh, but we'll go back to, uh, to your history on television. Uh, with uh, with call for help and uh, and screensavers, did you find it difficult to find that middle ground between talking about technology in uber geek speak and also doing it in in a way that people can understand? Well, well actually, originally that's why we did two shows. The screensavers were aimed at the uh, enthusiast crowd. The, the we I I when I first described the shows. Uh, to Tech TV, and then later as we added staff, I said it, it, it seems to me that people have come to technology in one of two ways. They either were exposed to technology as by gaming or uh, programming or something. It was fun for them. It was a hobby thing for them. Or they were exposed to technology at work. It was word processing. It was spreadsheets. It was either a toy or a tool. And like baby ducks, they were imprinted with that kind of impression of technology. So there's a group of people who really think of computers and technology as fun, as toys, as, some, as, as, the, as the toy store. Mm. And then there's a group of people who, who you know, aren't quite so in love with it. They use it as a tool to get something done. Maybe they don't even want to use it. They have to use it. But at the, at, the, at the very most, they're just kind of mildly interested, only to the point where it's useful to them. So we made two shows. We made a show for the enthusiasts, the toy crowd. That was the screensavers. And that was completely unabashedly geeky. It was like, you know, uh, we don't make any apologies for installing Linux and BOS and showing you how to, you know, smash a hard drive. We know that's what you like. We don't make any apologies for being geeks. The other show, Call for Help, 
initially, not what you saw probably in Australia, but initially was really aimed at the person who had to figure out how to use a word processor for work or was frustrated by Windows because they had to use it for something, but they didn't really want to become the person who was figuring out how to change Windows to look like OS X. They just wanted Windows to work. So we did those two different shows. And when you make that them targeted in that way, it's pretty easy to figure out what to do, what kinds of things to talk about. And there isn't a whole lot of overlap in the content. As uh, you know, Once Tech TV left, Call for Help became both shows in a way by the time i was doing it in canada which is what most of yeah, people in australia saw. saw uh it was really a, a little bit of this a little bit of the screensavers and a little bit of call for help and, th- and that was a little more difficult to do but i do the same thing on the radio show uh, and I, right now i do a radio show in the states that's kind of the same idea people call in and ask questions and in and in fact my feeling is everybody's re- is intelligent. I treat everybody's intelligent. You can get this. You may not be into it. You may not want to know how to you know install Linux on your on your D drive, but you but you can understand it. And so I come from that point of view. And generally, I think my enthusiasm for it uh, makes people interested in it. And uh, and you know if somebody really hates it, then they don't listen. And frankly, that's okay with me. That's one of the neat things about internet broadcasting. If if you don't like if somebody doesn't like what you're doing. They go somewhere else. That's fine. I do a show for people who like what I do. It's kind of you know, self-reinforcing. I'm not chasing an audience. And that was always the problem in commercial broadcasting. You always kind of feel like you have to chase an audience. And it's like a dog chasing their own tail. They never catch it. But you were also doing uh, things that were extraordinary for, uh, for that level of oh, broadcasting. Yeah. Because, I mean, you were the... Uh, first show I ever saw to actually do live like Skype feeds. Yep, uh, with uh, with audiences. For, well, the, for the calls way that and- happened is, uh, you know, I did this kind of call-in show for years. I've been doing it since 1991 on the radio. The show that uh, Josh was just here sitting through my <laughs> three-hour radio show, which which was extraordinary as well because you do it all from your own studio. I do it all just the same place as we do the podcast. You can watch it too on this on the internet. Um, the uh, radio show took calls. Tech TV, it was started out, it was called ZDTV. It was started by Ziff Davis Magazine. So they foolishly thought they could call it ZDTV. Nobody understood. They thought it was, what is this about, macaroni? I don't know. <laughs> what is the channel about? So they changed it to Tech TV a few years in. But when ZD started it, uh, and we talked about doing shows, they said, well, we'd like to do a, sh- a live call-in show, but it's not very visual. And I said, well, there's this new thing uh, called webcams. It was, it was real new, that I think we could take calls via these webcams. This was really early on. In fact, we had a partner, a company called U.S. Robotics, which has since been absorbed by 3Com, that made a, uh, which was then absorbed by, uh, I think, Cisco, but they made a, uh, a little cheap camera, and we got 10,000 of those they gave to us in return for mentions that we could send to her because nobody had them. It was brand new. So we in the early days, this is 1998, we were sending them to our audience saying, please call us on the camera so we can see you. And we would spend a lot of time working with them, fussing to get it to look halfway decent. And in those days, it wasn't. In fact, we made them use the phone for the audio because the, uh, the, the camera, the computers of those days couldn't do both video and audio. And the, uh, but also the, uh, the lines. I mean, 1998, even in the U.S., you're still talking about dialogue. We yeah, these people were not on broadband, most yeah. of them. Yeah. So it, it was early. But I love it that we did it. I mean, uh, that's what you can do with an enthusiast channel, right, that you can't do with a mainstream channel. And that's why the Internet for me is even better, because I can do crazy stuff that I would, you know, I mean, I can do stuff that's not ready for primetime. But then when, uh, when 
uh, Tech TV folded and uh, you moved over to uh, G4 Tech TV in, in Canada, were they uh, more commercially minded? Were they really looking more into the... Uh... They said, no, no, they said right from the front, the first, we love, this is our most popular show. Uh, a Call for Help was their most popular show. We just want you to... What, what it turned out, they had been planning a show, similar show, and they had sets built, and they had a cast selected, and then Tech TV went... And uh, they kind of freaked out. But then they said, well, wait a minute, we can get Leo. So they brought me up with the old sets. <laughs> they got rid of the other cast. One of the Andy Walker stuck around. He was one of the cast members. Um, and uh, so they said, we'll do Call for Help. But they didn't at any point say to me, but make it different. Um, they just really, that show was successful. As it turned out, over our four-year run, the audience dwindled away. And in fact, even in Australia, we got canceled. And I'm not sure why that was. With the move to Vancouver was kind of bad for us for some reason. I don't sure exactly what happened, but I uh, I, I tried to find out because uh, w- when that happened, I, whenever a show gets canceled like that, I try to find out. I'll call up the network. What did they and, say? Uh, generally, uh, the the uh, general answer is, oh, it's just a programming change. <laughs> well, I, I know it's a programming. <laughs> we change. know that much. <laughs> well, the, the Canadians said, uh, you know, the audience plummeted drastically when we went to uh, Vancouver. Uh, we lost Andy. We lost Amber. Um, the, the truth is, the company that produced it in Canada was really cheap. And uh, when they could get rid of a show host and save some money, they did without replacing that person or spending that money. So the show basically got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And the content went, you know, there was less and less and less. And I think that that ultimately hurt the show. It, but I don't the, know. I mean, maybe people got tired of me. I, I don't really have any theory about it. No, the, well, the cast was the, I mean, in addition to you, the cast was oh, Amber it, it, very, very much the heart of the show. Yeah. and. Uh, and also the the guest cast finding out about Photoshop, and, right? Uh, all these uh, all, all these little things. It, it was like in Australia we used to have a show called the Curiosity Show, which was kind of science for kids. Right. And again, pe- people my age, we grew up with the Curiosity Show, and it was all about how to do stuff at home. So uh, things that you know probably they couldn't show kids how to do now, like how to make because things would blow up. Yeah, yeah. How to make hurt. a rocket out yeah. of uh, <laughs> out of a tea bag and things like that. Uh, but it was wonderful because you got to learn how to do things at home and at the same time learn how things worked. And I don't think there's enough of that on television yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, we didn't have they, – they got so cheap, we just didn't have any staff. We, you know, uh, Amber and Andy produced huge amounts of content. When, and when Andy uh, left – actually, Andy just wanted more money and they said, no, in fact, we're going to cut your salary. And he said, well, screw you. And uh, and then they they left and they said good we got more more money for us and the, then when Amber same thing she got another job offer they said good more money for us and so they didn't spend it mm-hmm. and so uh, you know we just we couldn't get people we didn't we even lost our travel budget we couldn't get people to travel up from the states um, which we had done a lot of in Toronto uh, so the whole thing it was basically lack of confidence on the part of Rogers ironically they still run the show in Canada. They run shows we produced in 2004. They're running today. Wow. <laughs> I, I kind of I don't understand that. <laughs> um, but that's fine. I have no ill will. I mean, I was really glad to do it for four years. It was a lot of fun. And it gave me the wherewithal to come here and do what I'm doing now. I mean, eventually I was glad it stopped because then I could do what I'm doing now. And, uh, and, and with what you're doing now, I mean, we're, we're sitting in the Twit Cottage, right. as it's known. There are five cameras Pointed out? Yeah, well, I can't. So, Rogers was cheap. I'm cheaper. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm essentially doing by myself what it would take a staff of uh, conservatively of 10 people to do. 
So uh, because we don't have camera operators, normally a show like Call for Help is produced with three cameras, but they can move the cameras, they can point them and stuff. I don't have camera operators, so I have five cameras. Each camera is locked down, but I can switch to it. So if I want a close-up of me, I've got one camera. If I want a close-up of the two of us, I've got another camera. If I want an over-the-shoulder shot of me and you, I've got that camera. If I want a close-up of what I'm holding in my hand, I've got another one. So that way, I don't need camera operators. Okay, that's, that's three people I've eliminated. I also don't, I don't need a director because I've got the switcher right here, the board, and I'm doing that. I also don't need a technical director. That's the person who usually pushes the buttons. I'm doing that as well. I don't need a tape operator. I'm doing that as well. <laughs> I don't need a lighting director. We set the lights and we left them. Uh, I don't need a sound man. I'm doing the sound as well. I'm I mean, all of those, I, I'm not trying to replace anybody's job, but I can't afford to pay 10 people to do this show because there's no revenue. Um, so uh, I do it all myself. And you know what? It's fun for me. Uh, it makes the show a little rougher, a little more homespun, but I think people don't mind that. It's certainly more authentic. And, uh, and it's fun. And I, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I found that uh, the, uh, on the internet, p- particularly with video and, uh, and things like that, if it looks too polished people it's are. bogus yeah i'm right at the edge of that it's funny because i hear from advertisers say oh no 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 it's not professional enough sometimes uh they can't figure out they think it's wayne's world and then i and then <laughs> and then i hear from other people it's too polished so I, I hear sometimes i i heard a guy the other day said oh i don't listen to your podcast they're they're too slick they can't possibly this was uh gabe rivera who founder of tech meme said oh no i never listened to your shows because i thought they were too slick they couldn't possibly you couldn't possibly know what you're talking about because they're not cause they're, <laughs> and and i always kind of knew that i mean I, I always thought if you saw patrick and me my my co-host on the screensavers if you tuned in the screensavers and you saw these two guys you knew they must know what they're talking about because nobody's going to put them on tv unless they know what they're talking about they're not there for their great good looks right so i think that you're absolutely right there has to be an aesthetic that that communicate you look this is a communication business everything you do not just the words coming out of your mouth but how you look how you dress how you comb your hair the set around you all of that has to communicate something and what i'm trying to communicate with the way we've done this is homespun comfortable authentic uh genuine and 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 somewhat reliable information about technology and i think that 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 works or people wouldn't watch us well i i think that the uh the thing that's always come from you uh, as far as uh, technology goes, is you really love it. And I think there's there's not enough of people who, who really love what they're talking about on television or on any kind of video. A lot of the time, it's uh, it's people who, oh, okay, you look good on they're camera. They're presenters. Yeah, they're presenters. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think people are really sick of that. We're done with it. Uh, we're done with, um, you know, blow-dried hair, News readers off a teleprompter. Nobody wants that anymore. It's just taken the networks a little longer to realize it than, it's, than, than the audience. But that's why the audience is leaving the networks. It's inauthentic. And I think that's why ultimately internet will work as long as, and I tell people this all the time, and I really hope they, you know, I talk to internet broadcasters all the time. I say, look, what carries you, what's going to make it work is not your polish, it's your passion. Mm. And don't start focusing on your hair or you're going to lose your soul. It's really about the passion that you carry for that, whatever that subject is, your enthusiasm, your love of it, and your knowledge about it is why people watch and if, if, or listen. And if you don't have that, then go home. So with, with what you're doing now, I mean, you, you've got the switcher, you've got the TriCaster, which is sensational. Can, can yeah, I say this, is, this is a great piece of stuff. This is exact, exact in, in, in essence, what has changed. You know, normally when we built control rooms at Tech TV, we have two control rooms, each a million dollars. 
most of what's in that control room is contained in essentially it's a shuttle piece, customized shuttle PC uh, that allows me to switch cameras, put graphics up. I can do green screen. I can do animations and all of that costs $10,000, which is still expensive for an individual, but compared to a million dollars at several orders of magnitude less. Oh, yeah. It's a it's it's, big difference. It's sensational. But, but with that, how much more do you do than just... I mean, you, you, you've got the switching going on, but how much more do you do than uh, just being the, the visuals of uh, a guy in a radio studio? It's not much more than that. I mean, the, the production value isn't huge. Uh, one of the things we never did on, or we tried not to do on Call for Help and the Screensavers was run tape, run pre-recorded stuff in there. Cause, mm-hmm. And I always said, you know, they said, oh, we can produce these great pieces, we'll go out in the field. And I said, you know what? People watch this show because it's live, direct. Tape's going to take it away from it. That's not what we do. And so I always pushed, even when we were on TV, that aesthetic of live, immediate, interactive. And this is the same aesthetic. It's not flashy. It's not produced. There's a there's a value in that too. Produced is expensive. You know, going out and making a five minute field piece costs more than the entire hour long show that's done live. It's cheap to do a live show. So I mean, we did call for help for several thousand dollars an hour. That's that's really cheap television production. But pe- people watching on uh, live.twit.tv can uh, can also see if you're on your radio show and they can watch the radio. They yeah. can watch the radio. And show. that is literally. Just watching a guy on the radio, <laughs> but then, but then at the same time, you're bringing up uh, websites. You bring I do up dress it up a things, little bit, yeah, like that. and and they come up and they they become the uh, the, the focus right. on the screen, right? So if you're listening to the radio, you actually don't get as much, and that's just happened over time. The way this streaming video that I do started was it was just a camera on me doing the radio show, and uh, you know people who were listening to the radio show would watch the camera, and it was really not very. I mean, I didn't do any switching or anything. It was a single, like, spy cam. Mm-hmm. And actually, most radio show hosts, that's still how it's done. Rush Limbaugh, who's the biggest show host in the U.S., he just has a big camera watching him the whole time. And most people are happy. To, to, that's all they really want. Um, but I decided, well, I like giving value. So I just, you know, and because I have the TriCaster and all these cameras and I can pick up screens and so forth, I can do this kind of switching. So we can go look at what's going on in the chat room or I can go show them what's on a website. Um, and so the people on the radio, you're right. And there, by the way, millions of people listening on the radio. There are only thousands of people <laughs> watching on the video. But the video people are getting much bigger, uh, much more for their buck. How do you see it going forwards as, as far as video goes, as far as Twit.tv goes, all, all of those things? Wh- where do you think it would be in the next four years? Everybody who works for me keeps asking me that question. <laughs> no idea. Uh, one of the things that's really been great about doing it the way we've done it, which is we don't, we haven't taken any investors. We just bootstrap it up based on donations from the audience, and now we're starting to make some advertising money. And we just everything we do is is based on what can we afford next? What's the next thing? And my kind of enthusiasm for the toys of the business. Um, I don't think I have any grand plan. Although as as we do stuff and as it grows, I see some things work, some things not work, and it does kind of in a Darwinian way steer me in a direction. I think. The thing I'm thinking about and and dealing with right now is um, I love podcasts. And for the first couple of three years, I said, we'll never do video. People, uh, you know, don't they have time to listen as they drive in the gym, in the garden. They have time to listen to a podcast. They don't have that same amount of time available to consume screen content. You know, it's, it's a lot more work. And we're competing against a lot of other things. 
if we want them to watch. So I always believed audio was the future and the way to go. And I may still believe that. But what I am realizing, first of all, podcasting has kind of reached its limit. For some reason, it's just not growing much. And I think it's not the number of new shows so much as the difficulty in getting a podcast. It's still a little too hard for the normal person to figure out. You go to iTunes, you go to the iTunes store, but this is free. Oh, but it's in the store. Then you go and you press the subscribe button. You're sure you're not going to charge me? You have to find the show. And then it subscribes and you're getting it on your computer. But how do you, okay, now you sync up your iPod, but is it going to have the latest version? It's too complicated. So we do in the podcast, and we do very well in the podcast, but we get somebody who is really motivated. Whereas if you want to watch a live video stream or listen to a live audio stream, you just go to the website. Yeah. And it's there. Now, it's not the thing that you were looking for necessarily, but it's there. It's always on. So if what you're looking for is like, see, I come from a radio background. People tune in, talk radio, is companionship and information that's there most of the time that you're looking for it, then streaming is the way to go. Streaming is more immediate. It has the advantage of a podcast that it's interactive. I can take calls. I can respond to the chat room. We can be interactive in a live way that we can't be in a podcast. And it's always there and it's easy to get. So I'm increasingly thinking... now. We still have to offer the downloads. We'll always offer audio downloads. We're going to start offering video downloads. People want to TiVo it, even if it's live. They want the ability to watch it, to time, time shift it, yep. right? But I really think that for pure accessibility, you can't beat a live stream. So even though the numbers on the live stream are still very low, I believe they're going to go up. We're going to get bigger and bigger. And we're going to get more and more people watching live. This is going to turn into... Right, what, what is, it's, it's gone from spying over my shoulder while I do a radio show to spying over my shoulder while I do some podcasts to kind of an event-driven thing that you could tune in at any time and there's interesting stuff like this interview going on. We're broadcasting this. To eventually the idea of it's being a 24-hour effectively television station on the internet that you know anytime you tune into your friends will be there talking about things you're interested in there'll always be fresh content if something new is important is happening you know if yahoo's down you can tune in and find out why that's where i see it going almost a cnn for geeks and uh, i think to me that's kind of right now anyway where it's going but as i said it's darwinian and if that direction doesn't work we just do something else we're we're going to always give the audience it's funny, I said earlier, we're not chasing the audience, we're not, but we're also not going to give them something they don't want. So I don't bother doing something that nobody's asking for. Mm. But if they're asking for streaming video, which is, they, which is what they did, then that's what we do. If they ask for streaming audio, which they did, that's what we do. The next thing we're doing, I'm, nobody's asking for, but, <laughs> but I have a feeling might be interesting. We stream audio and video. I want to start streaming text. Uh, you know, the chat rooms are great. We have three chat rooms, soon to be five chat rooms of people talking all the time in the background, whether we're on or not, 24-7. There's a lot of good content in there. What we're going to start doing is taking the best content of that and put it into a, it'll be almost like an instant messenger stream or a Twitter of, of information. And I think it's going to be kind of like Twitter for the tech geek. You know, Twitter's now becoming Twitter for the celebrity. Yes. We're going to let Twitter have that. And be back to that feeling of Twitter for the tech geek, where it's a stream of interesting, useful information. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what we're going to try doing that. So, so almost like the, uh, the ticker that comes up underneath the CNN. Exactly. But, but, but richer and you clickable. So there'll be links in there. And so if I'm talking about uh, something, for instance, let's say I, I was just talking about uh, Amber MacArthur on Call for Help. Somebody might paste into the – it happens all the time in the IRC – paste into the IRC, oh, here's Amber's first show on Call for Help. Well, the moderators in the IRC will pump that into this 
we're calling it the river of uh, text, this text stream that we're doing. So if you're, as you're watching and you see this go by, want to see Amber's first show, you can click that link and immediately go and see that. Um, so the idea is to provide a third information stream that's, that's rich and uh, clickable that goes along with the audio and the video that you could participate in. Uh, and you can contribute to, too, as, as a person in the chat room, or we'll also have a way people can do it via instant messenger. Uh, some of it will go into places like FriendFeed or our Twit Army site. So I think it's a text is really valuable. You know, text is searchable, text is clickable. So uh, one of the solution, you know, one of the problems with with podcasts and streaming audio and video is it's not searchable. It's hard to find the content you're looking for. So a text stream that accompanies the audio and video is going, I think, going to be a very useful thing. Now I made that up. Nobody asked me for that, and I may that's, be completely misguided. That's fantastic, and, and the idea that uh, that television can actually kind of mutate into into this thing that we get on our computers we can have on a screen Isn't that going neat? constantly i think i think that's Isn't that's that fantastic and it's a lot more of using the internet for for television than just say illegally downloading right. which is you know what australia does best last night in the us we had the streamies awards which were awards for the best internet video shows mm-hmm. and you know shows like dr horrible's sing along blog and tiki bar tv and a lot of video podcasts it's great to honor those um, but for the most part they're just kind of the little brother of episodic television. They're just episodic television on the internet. Yeah. And they could be quirkier and, and be, you know, the demands are different. But I want to go, I want to do something really different. I, I think, I've always said that, you know, any new medium, and the internet's definitely a new medium, uh, takes a while for the users to really use it appropriately. Uh, you know, when Gutenberg first invented movable type, all they did was reprint Bibles. Because that's all they'd been doing in the past, right? Whoa, hey, we can make Bibles much more quickly. We don't have to worry about monks and scriptoria. We could just print them. At last, the efficiency <laughs> of Bibles. Yeah. It took a generation growing up with the printing press to say, oh, wait a minute. We can do novels. We can do plays. We can do the Reformation. The Reformation, Martin Luther's 93 Theses spread because the printing press existed to make inexpensive copies of it. So... The printing press changed the world, but it took a generation growing up with it to say, oh, you don't have to just print Bibles. The internet, when it first appeared, was basically a brochure. It was, if you were in radio, oh, it's radio on the internet. Or if you were in TV, oh, it's TV on the internet. If you're in magazines, oh, it's a magazine on the internet. But it isn't. It's a new medium. So the generation that's growing up with the internet, that's using Skype and instant messaging, uh, is watching Hulu and YouTube. That generation has a completely is going to have a completely different view of it, and I think is going to do something very interesting and different. It won't just be more TV on the internet. So I hope to do something interesting and different. I'm the older generation. I expect the younger generation to come up even with more useful and, and neat ways to use it. I look forward to the future. Leo Laporte, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you. It's great to meet you, Josh. Hi, I'm Adam Zwa. You might recognise my voice from ads for Ford, Australia Post and HBA. Or maybe from the phone calls I make to your house late at night. That's right. I make phone calls to your house late at night. I'm Adam Zwar. And you're listening to Box Cutters. Ten years younger in ten days. Is that the name of this show? Right. Yes, uh, it is the name of the show that's uh, on the Seven Network. At the moment, hosted... By some people's obvious choice for the replacement host of Star Dancers when uh, Daryl Summers took off. Sonia Kruger. Sonia Kruger. 
um, who who uh, was was in the news again uh, after the Logies last week. Apparently, uh, during a standing ovation, her chair disappeared from behind her, and uh, she took a bit of a tumble and, and split her dress. Oh! She had to uh, go and change into a little black number that she had for the after party, and then uh, return to the grand dining room or wherever it is. But she had revenge with her laser eyes. Um, she, Doesn't Sonia uh, Kruger sound like a Bond villain? Yeah. Except this, it's got no dirty kind of aspect. But well, you know, you know what? what? I think she actually might be a Bond villain. She does have in a, real life. a bit of a Bond villain kind of vibe. She, uh, can, can you talk about the show? The show is... It's it's another one of those cynical bullshit shows that are on at the moment, which um, it just wants to... It, it, uh, it, it comes from the perspective of grabbing a couple who uh, look a little bit weathered and want to make them cry. Okay. Um, so so what like uh, like uh, we kidnap your children? <laughs> no, it's more, curiously, my entire knowledge of the show comes from reading an interview with with Sonia Kruger quite recently. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they put billboards of these people up um, where they're topless or something, and then make people in the street stop and point no, no, to no, them no. after. They they put them in perspex cases. Oh, you're right, that's much faster. Under under harsh direct sunlight. Yeah, and uh, and vox pop people about how old they think the, the these people are in the, and, in the boxes. And the guesses are outrageous. Like they'll, 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 I think they'll be seventy four, and, yeah. and he's thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 they'll but they'll show because I've seen I've seen that bit of the show they'll show that little segment that you know some crazy person thought that uh, this guy looked seventy four when he was actually thirty five and say he thought you were seventy four what do you think about how that? do you feel about that how do you feel about that and and he'll go oh I, I'm quite shocked rather than go well that guy clearly has escaped from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Or, Sonia, I think that that's just a cynical uh, attempt to get me to break down and, and be a bit angry well, and, and, and to have even less uh, self-esteem than I've already had well, the for interesting the thing, entirety of my lifetime. Because <laughs> this, is, this is what I was reading the article, the interview with her, though I was just saying, isn't this show just, you know, pandering to these ideas of beauty or whatever? And rather than, I don't know, somehow if she'd said, oh, yeah, it's, it's just an idea of beauty and it's a TV show and blah, 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 I would have probably been okay. But she basically... She responded in a way as if going, well, obviously there is only one idea of beauty. And obviously you, people want to look better. And like she was seen to be of this real belief that, yes, these people were somehow letting themselves and everyone else down by, by not looking 10 years younger. And how dare they? And uh, it, was, it was odd. It was a very odd kind of perpetuating the beauty myth kind of vibe. And it, it does seem that, uh, that they are exclusively selecting people who have uh, spent their lifetimes working the land, generally. So it's people from the country or, that take Or muscular get taken into, degenerative uh, disorders. Get taken into... I, I haven't seen no, any of that. No, I made that up. Get taken into, be curious, into uh, the big smoke, and, uh, and so they're taken out of their elements and they're, they're also split apart. I actually met someone once who, who went on one of these programs in Canada. She was a pilot for a very similar sort of program. And, again, the thing where, where they did the whole how old do you think she is, you know, how bad do you think she looks audience. And um, she said it was really funny because they were trying to, to get her to, you know, be outraged. And she was going, well, that's someone's opinion. I don't really care. And eventually they had to kind of just make up stuff going, well, how would you feel if he said he wanted to have sex with your mother because you were so ugly? And she went, what? Why would anyone say that? And that's the <laughs> clip they used in the program. Oh. Yeah, it's, it is a little bit manipulative. There, there was <laughs> Do you a, think? There was a great program from Canada uh, where they actually followed someone over six months and they met with a personal trainer about three or four times in that 
in that period, met mm-hmm. with a nutritionist a couple of times, uh, met with a stylist a couple of times, and the rest of the time they just kept their own diary. And it was up to them to be as honest as possible about about what they were doing. And then at the end of six months, we'd see if they succeeded or not. And it was actually not really that manipulative. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of honest and yeah you either succeeded or you didn't or you know you've done better than you thought you would have and had realistic goals and realistic objectives and uh, how, how strange that a production from canadia might uh, not be completely overblown and just be in it to uh, make people cry yeah no then again you don't see it on free-to-air commercial television in no, australia that is, so that is true i was wondering though with these things even like biggest loser like do you need the bit where you vote people off i don't i don't get what that adds to these shows surely people Nobody are interested in biggest loser, do they? i thought they, they, they oh, know, yeah yeah they, they i thought it was just on white no 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 no, 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 no really you, you lose one every week well. yeah yeah you know um and you're thinking surely people would be happy just to watch the ongoing you know like that opera one would, on the abc the phone voting uh actually uh makes the the production uh, more profitable yeah so uh, I, forgot, no, but, I forgot that but no, because but I get biggest loser doesn't have phone voting the the contestants oh, so where's the voting for, for the it? contestants vote on who they're going to kick out so they vote oh, on okay. who they're going to eliminate. There is no phone voting. All right, sorry, I, I misunderstood to, what John was saying. Uh, to to fattest loser. I hadn't seen any just, phone voting. So yeah, I, I just watch ads for stuff. I don't actually see shows. Yeah, um, uh, anyway, so so if now, people want to watch this abomination, don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I should go further into it uh, because because these people obviously have such low self esteem. They're they're far from the most uh, kind of verbal type of, uh, of subjects. For this this type of thing, and uh, and so Sonia Kruger trying to have these these kind of heart to heart conversations with them is like pulling teeth because they're not used to talking to people. They've been out talking to the cows for their entire lives. Well, so, what's she like as a host though? So, as well, is she? Well, does she care? I don't think she's really no, got she's, much to work. She's with. always pulling for to to get the emotion showing in the tears. Um, and the the reveals at the end of the show, she turns it into this. The, the, into this competition between the two teams and so so the partners haven't seen each other and and she's oh who's gonna win and there is no actual kind of winning nobody nobody votes on it as such nobody wins they just say oh yeah you obviously went the best um but uh but the reveal like they'll talk about about each of the subjects individually in turn uh without showing what they look like and then the big reveal about it is sonia kruger's Fake look of surprise every single time. Okay, so that's 10 years younger in 10 days. Don't watch it. No. Okay, question three. Which yeah, canal. All these going to be about war? No. I got loads of. I got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Last week's quiz question was. Oh, it's good, isn't it? It is. I love that guitar. It's very. We were saying it was going through our heads for weeks because we've had more responses to this quiz than any other one. Yeah, thought it was difficult to make a name that tune, but no. It clearly stuck in the minds of the populace as well because it's it's harking back to to the uh, late eighties, early nineties, and everybody loved MacGyver. (laughs) 
So the answer was beyond 2000, we also accepted towards 2000 it and probably, beyond it tomorrow. Prob- it, it probably, probably is. Was. We just don't know. We couldn't confirm. But so many people wrote in, you know, just saying how much they love the theme, how much they remember the show. I also thought it'd be wrong not to mention the person who wrote the theme tune, which turned out to be a little bit harder than I expected. Um, it's credited in the actual credits of the show as Twilight Productions, which made me think it was just bought like off a shelf from some American mm. generic music company. A little bit more researching. I believe I can now Paul tell McCartney? you. No, I believe this theme. Twilight Productions is actually a company run by Murray Burns and Colin Bailey. You may remember their work in My Sex, the band that had a big hit with <gasps> oh, computer games. I believe that very fine theme is written by Murray Burns, uh, possibly with Colin Bailey, and they also wrote. The and in fact, that little guitar bit after after that line yeah. in the chorus isn't a million miles away from that. It is the on two thousand theme. Also wrote the theme tune to All Saints. Which How is kind of weird, oh. Josh. Um, I, I looked it up on YouTube. I've now forgotten. They don't it, really have one now anymore. And it oh. doesn't sound like computer games. So now, I'm less now, Josh, that was Can something I? that uh, came up while you were away. Do you think All Saints has jumped the shark? It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. I don't even bother watching Gosh. it anymore. It's ridiculous. They're, it's they're all jumping around. They're all running around in white suits. There's police rescue saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Can I announce the winner of the quiz? Because pe- mm. people are really mm. hanging out. Please and do. it's been a very long show. Rob Oxcutter was the winner. Congratulations, Rob. I think I think this might be the first time Rob's actually won something, having entered almost every week, <laughs> even weeks that we didn't have quizzes. Oh, he's finally from tries. like three years ago. Finally, the dice have gone his way. Finally. So you are getting, Rob, a wonderful Crumpler laptop bag. You are. It's uh, called the Reginald Transfer. It's black and it is... You Absolutely said, wonderful. You, you, know said, you said last week it was too good to carry fried chicken in. Too good to carry chicken Troy, in. Troy said, I believe chicken can be carried in bags of all shapes and sizes. It's only the quantity and method of preparation that varies. Thank you, Troy. Thanks, Troy. Um, Time Lady wrote in to say, Dear lovely cutters of boxes, of course, the new AG Moog Electronica Brilliance. How could it not be the theme tune to Beyond 2000? Um, if she won, she was going to wear the crumpler bag with pride and confusion. She also said, What about re- revisiting some classic monkey? He remains irrepressible. He, he is. He is. Actually... The image of monkeys are irrepressible. That's true. Noodles pointed out that um, he knew it instantly. He loved Wednesday night because Beyond 2000 was on. Bringing up with a friend at work, though, the only thing he remembered from the show was a motorized fork that twirled for eating pasta, which is obviously awesome in its own right. <laughs> we got so many, so many comments about this. And my favorite one, Beyond 2000, take that smug Gen Y pricks. <laughs> I'm not quite sure who that one's from. Yeah, I, 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 don't even know who it's, I don't even know who it's. Obviously uh, a bitter Gen X. Who it's too. <laughs> Just an angry, angry man. So, Rob, I'll be in touch during the week uh, with information on how you can receive your Crumpler Prize. This week's question is... Well, this week's prize is, while you guys are uh, thinking about what the hell this week's question is, is an XL Thirsty Owl pouch from Crumpler. A Thirsty Owl needs some chicken. It's a, it's, it's a purplish purple, I think it says. Oh, is that the colour? Pur- purplish, purple, light purple, purple, purple slash light purple. No, purple. Purplish purple. It's all those purplishy purples. This week's question. What is this week's question, Josh? It's another. Who Name done that it? tune. <laughs> oh, sorry. Who oh, done no. it? No, who who named it? What? Who tuned it? If you're playing Professor Layton, it's option B. Name. <laughs> it's another name that done it. Name that done it. Name that done it. Why do I feel like now we, our quiz has turned into the mint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call, so go on. Call us now. I'll keep how, dancing how until many, you call. How many rectangles? Come on. This I'm, is the. Uh, are you ready for the? This is the name that tune. 
Oh, okay. Is it the uh, is it the theme song to the Slava Gregorian porn film? Is it is it that East European Justin Timberlake daytime soap that he did for a while? It sounds a bit like a, an ice cream ad theme tune. Is that a euphemism? Is it Maxi Bond? Actually, slides would come up at the cinema while I was just playing. I believe. Do they still have slides at the cinema? No, no, it's all freaking. No, no, it's, wet it's and all wild stairs and now. Yeah. Wonder Brothers movie world. Looking for a brothel any minutes from this theatre. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That's that's no, this week's that was theme weird tune. Though. That was that was a, a dead uh, dead on uh, impression of Rosemary Margan. Thank you very much, <laughs> I know. John Richards. The weird thing is, I look like her too. It's I, really I strange. All right, this this episode has gone on way too long. Let us know your answer. What is the name of that? theme tune what show is it from hooray at boxcutters.net click on the talk to us link on the blog or sms the answer to 0458 cutter and if you are going to sms your answer put your name on put your name on otherwise it goes in the bin we're not calling call well it. actually it doesn't but no, it, it doesn't go in the bin harder to work out who yeah. the hell you were. Yeah. yeah we don't call anybody back <laughs> hey um when i cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. No time for pork. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 181. What? That's it, it does. That's it. it. It's all over. It's been 80 minutes, Brett. Um, you people have broken the show. I've got a great Iggy Pop story, but I'll put it on the website. Oh, cool. I love Iggy Pop. Well, uh, yeah, look for it on the website at boxcutters.net. Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. And uh, I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. Crumpler provide us with our giveaways, and you can learn more about their bags, wallets, and pouches at crumpler.com.au. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find box cutters, and then they can enjoy it too. Help support box cutters by wearing one of our wonderful T-shirts, available at redbubble.com slash people slash box cutters. You can also now buy the DVDs and books we talk about at the You Do Buy It US and UK stores. Just follow the links on the blog and let the entertainment come to you. You can help make each episode last all week long by leaving comments on the blog at boxcutters.net. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net through the Talk To Us link on the blog or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter.